everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Interview with an Avatar. This podcast isn't your traditional sports podcast in which we're going to break down schemes and talk football 100% of the time. Well, there will be some of that. I wanted to take this opportunity to get a look behind, this, behind the screen at the people behind the Avatar. There will be different guests from the Cowboys Nation on here with all different backgrounds and stories. As a story, it might or might not be a love story. It could be a story of dreams, friendship, hope, survival, or even death. And, and every story is worth telling. But more than that, it's worth living. So without further ado, I want to introduce to you my first ever guest, a man who could have his own Attitude Era persona, and one of my favorite followers on Twitter, Mr. Kelly Canine. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you today? Pretty good. Uh, you know, long day at work, and, you know, it's, it's always tough after the Labor Day weekend back to work on, on four days every day feels like a month for the next four days especially after a long holiday weekend man after a long holiday oh. weekend it makes it all that much harder oh uh, yeah man <laughs> yeah um so here we go um i just if, if 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 we can um i just want you to tell us a little bit about your life uh you know you're, you're growing up and and uh basically um growing up and how you got to where you are today yeah so um i was Kind of moved all over the place. Um, believe it or not, my dad was actually a preacher <laughs> for <laughs> 12 years of my life. I know a lot of people can't really believe that, but uh, that saying goes that the preacher's kids are usually the worst ones, and I kind of lived up to that to that label. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we uh, we moved around a lot. He kind of went from like church to church. I'm not really sure why preachers move around a lot. I never really asked him that question, but we moved around a lot, so we bounced all around kind of. Uh, the United States, but my parents are originally from both of them born and raised in Texas. <clears throat> so um, I ended up, parents got divorced in like 92. I ended up in Iowa for a little while. My mom had relatives in Iowa. Her parents were actually living up in Iowa, um, which is my Midwest connection, why I'm back up here in the Midwest now. But uh, she uh, eventually followed her parents back down to Texas because they moved back down to their hometown. I went down there, lived there for Oh, right around 20 years. And that's where I met my ex-wife, um, who I got my three kids with now. Um, started working in the auto parts industry like 2003. And um, just kind of like worked my way up the ladder there. And then um, my dad's moved up here, came back up here to uh, Nebraska area because he's got family up in Sioux City. So I kind of followed him. The After a while, he had been co- trying to convince me to come up here, come up here and uh, told me that the jobs were really good. So I found a job at a dealership here. I'm a parts manager. I've been that's I've been in the auto industry since 2003. So um, I found a management position up here and took that management position. I've been with that company ever since. So I've been here since 2014 now. That's awesome, man. Uh, so you're, you're pretty, um, you're, you know, you're, you're pretty famous on Twitter for a bunch <laughs> of different things. Um, so, Besides that, what would you say your greatest achievement uh, is in your life? I I mean, it probably is going to sound corny to say my greatest achievement, but it's it's got to be my kids, man. That's because, um, I mean, for people that know me real well, and even for a lot of the people that know me through Twitter, I, I don't, you know, I, I share a lot of stuff and stuff in my personal life as well as, um, you know, just cutting up on Twitter. But, like, I wasn't really – necessarily headed down the greatest of paths um until i had my daughter um which is back in actually 2003 when i had her and so uh yeah when i had her i just kind of like i don't know it just clicked 
life kind of gave me purpose at that point. And I knew that, you know, a lot of people were born to do a lot of things. And I just kind of always felt like I was born to be a father. So like it was, it's been my greatest achievement is my three kids. I can look at them now and I look at my daughter, it's 18 years. She's got a, I've got a grandbaby. I mean, you just, you see these, it's, it's three achievements that I have that are continuing to bring results and, and, you know, I get to see this. I get to see what I've what I've raised and, and how these kids are going out in the life and kind of doing their own things and coming to their own people. And it's just it's really cool. It's something that'll never get old. That I'll always brag on my kids, I'll always brag on my my granddaughter now. Um that's yeah, definitely my greatest achievement is my is my kids. Yeah, I, I can relate to that because I, I have three kids myself. I have two sons and a daughter, a uh, fourth one on the way. And um, you know, I started finding about the time I believe that uh, you found out your daughter was going to have a baby. And, you know, I could, I could, I could tell even online that your, 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 your purpose had, had switched again there from, you know, just being a father figure to being a grandfather figure. Can you tell us more about that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, it was kind of a, kind of came as a surprise. Obviously it's not the ideal situation where you want your right. you know 18 year old daughter to, to be pregnant but once kind of got over the shock of it you know accepted it and like hey we're gonna we're gonna work through this together like we've all like we always have you know um me and my ex aren't together anymore but we still you know it's still one of those things where we work together family family always comes first so um you know once i got over the initial shock of it i started to kind of be like wow man i'm gonna be a grandpa and then it just it kind of throws you into another gear in life because then you're just um i don't know you start thinking about things that you didn't really think of before that you know as being a father it's just it, it kind of just takes it up a whole nother level you know what i mean it's you're seeing this product of 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 yourself in one of your kids and it's it's a pretty amazing feeling i mean i've always heard they say well you it's you there's no feeling like being a grand a grandparent they're like you'll, you'll love your kids but your grandparent or your grandkids you'll love them it's, it's even more, it's amplified that much more. And I always was like, I don't really see how I could love anybody more than I love my kids. But now that I hold my granddaughter and I look at her, man, and I look at these pictures of her and post pictures and get to spend time with her. It's true, man. I mean, it's, it's a different kind of love just because it's, um, you know, that that's a human being created from one of your children that came from you. So it's just, uh, it's an amazing feeling. And I love being a grandpa. And uh, I mean, it helps that she's an adorable little baby girl. So but I, I, I spend a lot of my time with her. I really do. I mean, I like to, uh, I like to still reminisce on being wild and I do have a few nights, <laughs> anymore, but more of my nights now are spent, you know, if I can volunteering to babysit for my, for my daughter and, and having my grandbaby over, there's been plenty of weekends spent with her. I'd say a lot more weekends spent with her than anybody else. So it's, it's a really good feeling. I, I enjoy it. That's awesome, man. Um, so basically, um, in most people's life, there, you know, there's good that comes with bad, and bad comes uh, bad comes with good. If you don't mind, um, what's a low point in your life that changed your life? Um, I would say probably the low point for me. Um, I think I think for me it was probably when I first had my daughter. Um, I was not really used to, not really used to working, um, full time, like deal. I, I always kind of had like a little side hustle type going on and made money, 
not in a legal sense. I did some illegal things making money. So I, I don't know. I, it was, it was hard for me to, to accept that. I was like, Oh man, I got to start kind of at the bottom of something where I'm making a lot less than what I would if I was doing some stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. And I just remember I had this job and I was, it was, I was doing detail and I was just kind of like, you know, just, I don't know, sleepwalking through life. Really. I was happy to be a dad. I was out of the, out of the stuff that I was doing and I was determined to be a good dad and I was determined to be um, a really good father figure for my daughter. But we were living in this, this, this house and it just, it wasn't the greatest of houses. I mean, there's a roof over our head. And um, I just remember one time I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, we got, you know, I got roaches in my kitchen and stuff. And I'm, I mean, I'm living in this, just not a, not a good environment. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, man, you know, I got a, I got a daughter. Like I'm, I need to do something. I've, I've got to do something. I remember looking at her and watching her, watching her sleep that night. And, um, I just, I just felt like a really, really small human being at that time. I felt, I felt bad. I felt guilty from some of the choices I had made. I thought, man, I'm 23 years old. I don't have much figured out. I'm not doing things right. Like I'm just, I'm barely, I'm barely getting by here. And I'm and at that point was when I made the decision. I'm like, I'm getting me and I'm getting my family out of this situation i'm getting us into a better situation and from that point on man i think that uh everything really started clicking for me and i realized that um that i had a talent for talking with people a talent for communicating with people and and uh, and that i could use that talent for other things than what i had been using it for so i mean i i uh yeah i just i kind of worked my way up in the, in the corporate world in terms of that dealership that I was working for. And I was like, I'm never, and I've never been content. And still to this day, I'm not content to stay where I'm at. I'm always looking for the next move up. And, um, I just realized if I could do that, I could bring my family with me and gradually, you know, that I made that reality come true. I mean, it took some time, but, um, yeah, I worked ourselves out of it. it and it's funny though, because I, I took every last bit of money that I had, I moved us out of that house a week later. Um, found us a new house and moved us out of that house because I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not, not doing this anymore, man. I can't, I'm not having my daughter around these conditions, man. I'm getting us out. So did that, but yeah, that was definitely a low point. Was just sitting there, just basically sitting in poverty and thinking to myself, man, is this the life that I want for my daughter? And definitely was not. So I, that had to be my low point. Yeah, it's it's one of those things like you said earlier where where you you have that switch in your head, you know, it, it turns on like, you know, I am a father, I'm providing for more people than just myself. And then, you know, as you continue to build up, like you said, it's, it's important to always have that low point, like in the back of your mind, because oh, yeah. you know, you know where you were and you never, ever, ever want to go back there. So I, I applaud, I applaud you for that. That's awesome, man. Thanks, man. Um, so on a, on a lighter note here, so if you could live anywhere, and anywhere in the world or anywhere in the United States, what are your top three places and why? All right. So um, I guess my top three places in no particular order really here, because I haven't really thought about putting them in order. But San Antonio, Texas, um, biggest reason there is um, I've got some family down there, but um, I've always loved Texas. I mean, it's one of my favorite places, but San Antonio is probably the favorite city that I've ever been to. Um, in the United States, I make several trips down there. I love going down there. I love the food. I love the people. Um, I mean, the just everything 
around there there's a lot of fun stuff to do i mean you got the riverwalk the alamo you've got the restaurants you've got the the nightlife you've got i mean it's just it's a really cool place to be so san antonio is definitely on that list um i've never been here actually so this is weird to say that i'd want to live there because i mean i know california's got really super high taxes and stuff but san diego and the reason i say that is because i've always mm-hmm. said that i would love to live somewhere where the weather is you know, 70, like in the 70s, upper 70s, like lower 80s all year round. And I've always heard San Diego is like one of those places where like it's pretty much the weather stays at a steady temp pretty much all year round. And that's kind of what I like is somewhere where it's not going to get too hot. It's also not going to get too cold. I don't have to deal with shoveling snow to get my get my car out of the garage <laughs> or anything like that, like I do in Nebraska. And yeah. then I would have to say um, the last place, uh, the third place that I would like to live would be like overseas. Um, It would probably be, um, I would actually say like in England, uh, just because I've, um, I've always been fascinated with that place. Um, The people, the accents, um, (laughs) you know, just the different, the different, um, you know, I, I know a few people that off Twitter that I've met off Twitter that are from, um, they're from there. They're from England and around mm-hmm. that area. And it's just always funny, the different, um, you know, we use different slang, they have different slang and then they've got different uh, foods that, you know, they're like, well, what is this? You know, they'll say what, a food dish or something. Like, I don't even know what that is. So I've always been infatuated with that as well as the, uh, the art and architecture and stuff that they have over there. I think is just really, really cool. I think that'd be a, a cool place to live and then driving on the wrong side of the road. I mean, who wouldn't yeah. want to do <laughs> yeah, that's rough. I did that before. That's rough. So, so <laughs> speaking speaking of the UK and in Europe in general, do you think that you could switch your main your main sport from football to soccer? I know they have they have NFL UK uh, oh, program over there. Could you switch from from NFL to just Major League Soccer? Ah, uh, I don't. Think, I don't think I could ever switch from the NFL, man. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a different kind of fanaticism when it comes to me in the NFL. Like yeah. I love sports in general and really there's not many sports that I won't watch. I mean, some sports I'd rather watch live than to watch on TV. Um, you know, but I, I do love sports in general. I just love the competitive nature of sports is what I like. I like, you know, competition. I'm all about competition. I'm like that in my daily life too. I'm a competitive person. I love to, I love to win. I hate to lose. And, um, but I just, I don't, soccer has always been so hard for me to get into i i've tried i've watched it you know and i mean like i consider myself a really diehard college baseball fan but yeah college my college baseball fanaticism is nowhere near my fanaticism for the dallas cowboys like it's they're they're just not close i just can't get as hype as i do for the cowboys about any any other sport, any other franchise, doesn't matter. I just I can't get there. So no, I don't think I could replace the NFL with uh, with, with soccer because I've <laughs> never really been able to invest myself enough in soccer. Like when the U.S. plays, like in the World Cup or if the, you know Olympics and stuff like that, I'll watch it. But I mean, if a game's on Saturday afternoon and it's you know one of the teams from you know over in the U.K. or something and they're playing, like I'm not going to actively watch that. I'm probably going to pick something else to watch. But that's just that's just me. <laughs> so, so being from so being from Nebraska, are you a, are you a Cornhuskers fan? So I am not. No, you're a Texas Tech fan. Sorry, you're a yeah. Texas Tech fan. <laughs> yeah, because I spent I spent the majority of when I saw I moved down to Lubbock, Texas. 
which is where I lived for 20 years. When I moved down there, I was 18 years old, and I was I was a Cowboys fan at that time, but I didn't really have a college football team. College football wasn't really something I was into. Um, so I just I was kind of a casual at that point, casual Iowa Hawkeye fan, just because everybody lived when I lived up here. There's a lot of Hawkeye fans. Never really gravitated to the Huskers, so it's Hawkeyes. But um, yeah, I mean, living in Lubbock, Texas, it's a college town, and so you know you. And then working for the dealership, people, I started getting hooked up with tickets every once in a while to games. And so I made it to a few games and then eventually kind of, it's like, oh, wow, this is, this is fun, you know? And then just kind of grew into it, ended up getting season tickets and stuff, but it's really hard living in a college town and then not gravitating towards that team and liking them, especially when you're at a, you know, you're coming on your own at 18 years old, you know, 18 and on, um, you know, they pretty much hooked me in. It only took a couple of games and a couple of times at the stadium tailgating and all that stuff before I was I was fully invested in Texas Tech. So, yeah, I'll I'll definitely be a Red Raider fan until the day I die. Yeah, there's something about those Power Five schools that do that. Like I live I live outside of Bowling Green, Ohio, and you know Bowling Green State University, their their uh, their stadium, the Doy, is probably about the size of a of a, you know like um a Texas high school. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's not a very big place. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I tend to gravitate towards Ohio state more than anybody else. Oh, so yeah. I, I get, I get hyped for Ohio state. So. Okay. Yeah. I can, I hear you on that one. That's uh they had a, they had a pretty good game the other night. I actually caught that game against the uh, Minnesota. That was a pretty, pretty good game. Yes, it was. So, <laughs> uh, so with you, um, you know, with you being in sales, uh, uh, sales parts in the in the auto industry, and you know some of your your weird dating experiences that we've heard on your podcast, uh, Cowboys and Chaos. Um, what's the weirdest interaction you've ever had in person? The weirdest interaction I've ever had in person. Um, well, I would I would have to say probably. Oh gosh, I don't know if it's really a a weird interaction, but. Um, well, I mean, I guess it is. I had a guy one time um, come up to the dealership that I was working at. I work nights, and um, and I mean, we were we were closed, but I would keep I kept the side door open that led up onto the service drive, um, and I worked from six o'clock at night till three thirty in the morning. Dealership closes at eight, and I kept the side door open just because I'd go outside every once in a while and. Um, you know, smoke break, whatever. At that time, I was still smoking cigarettes. I'd go outside and have a smoke break or or just walk outside and go look if I seen some cars drive by and make sure nobody was out in the lot and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm sitting there working at my computer and I'm banging away out and getting some invoices and stuff. And I hear somebody knock on my office window, which is connected to the service drive. And I mean, I jumped 10 feet in the air because my technicians had already gone home that night. I had sent them home. And I mean, it's two o'clock in the morning i think at the time and um definitely after midnight but anyway i hear somebody knocking on the deal and i look up and there's this guy standing there and just i mean i could tell right away just he looked like he was either drunk or or maybe on drugs and i'm like what in the hell so i walk out there and he said uh excuse me he's like um do you think i could you think i could get some brake fluid and i was like brake, brake fluid and he's like, yeah, uh, I need some brake fluid for my car. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm not really open right now. I can't sell you any. And he's like, well, you can you go into the shop and get me some brake fluid? And I'm like, oh my God. I said, is your car out here? 
And he's like, no, no, my, my car's not here. It's up on the interstate. It, it, it ran out of brake fluid. And I'm thinking, <laughs> like, I know about cars, and I'm sitting there thinking, wait, how does your vehicle run out of brake fluid? Like, unless you have a major leak or something. And I don't know, it just wasn't adding up. And I'm just sitting there. So, so I tell him, I say, all right, well, I'll be right back, but I'm going to have to ask you to come outside. I need you to wait outside because we're closed. So kind of walk him to the door, shut the door, lock the door. And I go into the shop, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm, I don't know if I should call the cops or if I should actually get this guy some brake fluid. And I'm like, uh, I'm just going to take his word that he needs some brake fluid. So I go go into the shop, go grab some brake fluid, come back outside, open the door, give the guy the brake fluid. And he tells me, all right. And he's like, do you think this is enough? And I'm like, well, they typically hold like maybe two of these. So I would think <laughs> that it would be enough to get you to go where you're going or whatever. And then he stops and he's like, all right, cool. And then he stops and he's taking off walking and I'm, I'm standing there watching him walk away because I'm like, I want to make sure this dude doesn't come back. He just looked pretty sketchy. He stops and he turns around and he looks at me and he goes, hey, man, do you think you could get messed up if you huff brake fluid? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, man, I was like, I don't know, but I hope that's not what you're using that for, man. And I came, I, I walked right back inside and I shut and locked that door, man. I'm like, I'm about to call the cops on this dude. Went back <laughs> and I was watching him out the garage door and he just kept walking back off, but he's like unscrewing the lid as he's walking off. And I'm just thinking, did he really just take brake fluid to huff? God, never in my life have I heard somebody huffing brake fluid. <laughs> So yeah, no man, it was that was pretty weird, man. I, I'd say that for the rest of the night, I kind of had my head on a swivel, and I'm just looking for this guy to come back, looking for some more brake fluid. But yeah, that was pretty awkward. <laughs> That's that is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> so so um today I seen uh the PFF posted their 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 picture of the Cowboys and Buccaneers, oh, yeah. and and that you had you had one of your passionate tweets, and I couldn't help but read it in your swaggy J voice. And if everyone who follows you knows your swaggy your swaggy J is pinned on your Twitter and you're pretty famous for that. I'm not asking you to do it. I'm not asking you how to do it. But how did you discover the swaggy J persona? So that actually is uh I was one day I was doing um I was I I like to try to do voices, different voices um not really the believe it or not, I'm not really great at doing a whole bunch of voices, but I'm just kind of I'm always I'll be talking to myself sometimes and I'll be talking with how I think I do it. And I, I I've done like Dr. Phil and I've done a couple other guys that I think I do pretty decent. And uh, I was doing George Bush. I was trying to do President George Bush. <laughs> and I was doing it. And as I'm doing it, I'm like, this doesn't really sound like George Bush, but it kind of sounds like some like who does that sound like? And then it clicked and I was like, oh, my God, that sounds like Jerry Jones. I was like, I kind of sound like Jerry when I do that voice. So then I started kind of practicing it and um, I did it around a few people. I was like, man, how does it, do you, you know, after, I remember my mom was one of the first people. asked her if I sounded like Jerry Jones and she's like, yeah, that's actually pretty good. So I, um, I, yeah, that it was from then that I just, I had the Jerry Jones thing. And then one day I was just like, I, I was kind of bored at work and I thought you know what I was like I'm gonna I've done some videos before I do a lot of post-game reaction videos and different stuff and I thought I'm gonna do a Jerry Jones impression and just kind of see where that goes and that was the one that I that I have pinned 
is the one that uh, is the first one that I ever did. And it just kind of, it kind of took off. So then it kind of developed a life of its own. So, and I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, that Jerry Jones impression, it worked out pretty well for me. People liked it and it, I, I enjoy doing it too. It's a lot of fun. Cause I mean, what's not fun about Jerry Jones. So <laughs> yeah, you get quite a bit of mentions for that, you know, Dallas radio message, messages you and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so uh, I I seen on Twitter that uh, you recently went and seen that new Marvel, the the Ten Rings movie with your sons. Yeah. Uh, so over the last fifteen years or so, we've seen the cultural phenomenon that is the MCU. Many of us waited on the edge of our seats in anticipation for the very next film to drop, and with the Phase Four, we've seen we've seen that things would have played out differently if alternate timelines could have occurred. With WandaVision, Loki, and most recently the What If series, we see or are about to see what the alternate timelines would look like. So with that being said, how is the Cowboys organization altered if they draft Johnny instead of Zach? Man, (laughs) you think about that and, uh, well, first of all, uh, Romo might've got murdered um, by defensive linemen if we wouldn't have had if we wouldn't have drafted Zach because we needed offensive line. That offensive line stuff that when they started building that offensive line was did great for Roma. I mean he really excelled when he started getting these offensive linemen. But I just you know I, I can't help but think that if they drafted Manzel that nothing splits a fan base like a quarterback controversy. So mm-hmm. I mean I feel like that is as, as as good as Romo did, I mean he really he did really did great. I feel like there was always a portion of the fan base that just kind of seemed like um, that that they just never were sold on Romo. And, and it's the same thing now with Dak. There's still a certain yeah. portion of the fan base that's just for whatever reason they're not sold on Dak. It's like no matter what you tell them, no matter what numbers you throw out, no matter what they see with their own two eyes, they, they're just – Dak's not the guy for whatever reason. And so I feel like that um, – I feel like Romo's uh, career would have got shortened just because I feel like that Jerry – was all on board with Manziel, and uh, mm-hmm. I think there would have been a there would have been people calling for Manziel to start. You draft a QB um, like that uh, in the first round, um, you know we've all seen it happen. It's they're calling for that they're calling for that guy to start. Um, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about that question in today because uh, you know, and I thought about well, you know, Zach Martin. We wouldn't have to be worrying about him not starting against Tampa Bay today, but. <laughs> <laughs> or t- on Thursday. <laughs> Wouldn't have to be worrying about him starting not starting on Tampa Bay on Thursday. But man, I, I it I mean I really it would it would be a long chain of events though, because I don't think we'd have Dak Prescott right now. Um I mean I think it would have took the I think it would have taken our franchise in the opposite direction. Um I think with the way that they did it and with the way when they drafted Zach Martin, I think it it kept putting us on that upwards trajectory. Um, and then, you know, allowed Romo to continue his career because he had that. He had a better offensive line. Obviously, injuries kind of failed. You know, his body started failing later on down the line, and we got lucky with Dak Prescott. But, I mean, none of that happens if you get a guy like Manziel. I mean, I don't think that Zeke is on the team. I don't think that uh, Dak's on the team. Uh, I don't think none of that happens. I think this team looks totally different. Um, and, uh yeah, it's it's definitely not a uh, reality that I would like living in. I'll just say that. 
Yeah. I'm very, I mean, very happy every day I think about that. Whenever I think about man, the Manziel thing, I'm like, boy, I'm glad they did not draft him because he it didn't work out. <laughs> not didn't work out at all. Yeah, he he did some crazy stuff because I uh, you know I kind of follow the Cleveland fan base since I live up here, and you know they they told a story that he went out, he was at Vegas the night before a game one time, and I'm just like, man, if if Cleveland did that to him, I can only imagine what the Dallas lights would have done to him. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just don't. I don't think he was ever really. I don't think. I don't think football so much was his passion as it was partying. The yeah. guy was a party. He was a party. I mean, my so my sisters actually both my sisters actually they live in um, Kerrville, Texas. Well, one of them just recently she moved in. She's in San Antonio, but I've got three sisters. They all three had lived in Kerrville. Now two of them live there, and they uh, they went to school. They went to high school um, at the same school is Manziel. Actually, one of my sisters actually went to school with, or my nephew, actually, sorry, my nephew went to school. Her son went to school with Manziel. And uh, he went to school at that Tyvee High School. And, and he was, I mean, he was known for partying then. He was mm-hmm. always partying. And then when he went to A&M, it was kind of the same thing. He was a, he's a guy that loved to party. He loved the spotlight. And, um, you know, he was a little too big for his own britches, as they say, because he had a lot of he had a lot he had targets on his back when he came into the NFL, and that's never a good thing when you're young. Uh, yeah. When you're young like that, you're a rookie coming in. You you're already getting enough attention if you're a top ten draft pick, um, you know, or even just a first round draft pick. You're already getting enough attention. You don't need that extra attention on you by, you know, the whole money celebration that he used to have and. You know, just yeah. everything he used to do just rubbed people the wrong way. Because, I mean, you saw it the first time, you know, he got sacked. That defensive defensive end gets up and does the money celebration. And, um, you know, everybody wanted a piece of Manziel at that time. All those defensive players, they wanted to break the dude in half. So <laughs> you don't you don't need to give these defensive players any more, any more motivation to want to pummel you into the ground than they already have because you're a first-round draft pick. And he just – yeah, he went about it all the wrong way, and I, I agree with you, man. If he's in Dallas, I mean, multiply what happened in Cleveland times ten. And yeah, Dallas is an area that can. Dallas is a, a town, a city that can get a lot of people into trouble, and especially a guy like him. Yep. So. Uh, yeah. So the next what if moment. Uh, this one's back to your your personal life. What moment in your personal life could be a what if moment, and do you ever think about that? Yeah, I do. Um, I thought about what would have happened to me if, uh, you know, if I never would have met my ex-wife. Uh, you know, we just recently divorced, but uh, you know, if I never, if I never meet her, you know, I don't know that I have my that I have my daughter, um, and you know, I don't know if I end up in the same situation that I am now, um, because like I said earlier and alluded to, I was uh, not living a great lifestyle. Um, I was heading down a, a path that only leads to a couple of outcomes and, you know, there, none of those are great outcomes. And I, I have, you know, I've got many people that are close to me. Um, I've had, I've had a couple of them that are, you know, that are dead and I've got people, several that I know actually that are, that are in prison that I grew up with people that are pretty close to me. And I, I mean, I, I definitely, definitely know that I could have been, one of those people, one of the people that were either died early or, or ended up incarcerated for a pretty long time. Cause I mean, I, like I said, it was, it's just, it's one of those things. And I, I think about that a lot. I mean, that's, it's one of those things that I think about almost on a, on a daily basis because I got some friends that I still helping out now 
um, that are struggling pretty bad with whether it be addiction or um, just trying to just trying to get on their feet and, and change their lifestyle and stuff. But they've been doing what they've been doing for so long. That it's really hard to kind of get out of that that rut and that lifestyle because you're so used to it. And some, you know, I, I, I sit there and I think about it all the time. I'm like, man, that could have been me. You know, I don't know really what what I did different or what clicked for me that did different. You know what I mean? It's like but uh, or how I how I got in the position I am, how I'm, I feel lucky and I feel blessed. Um, but I definitely think that if I wouldn't have met my, my ex-wife, you know, probably wouldn't have ended up in this situation. Cause I mean, she, as much as, you know, we, uh, disagreed towards the end of our relationship. I mean, she really did kind of reel me in too. You know, she had me mm-hmm. kind of straighten me up a little bit and, uh, you know, and then was blessed with three kids from her. So yeah, man, that's definitely a huge what if moment for me and, and not one that I would, uh, would ever want to really have to live through that what if moment because i don't think it would have been a good outcome for me really at all yeah i mean it's i mean for for better or worse you know that it just seems like there's events on on like in life you know that if it goes one way your your life is completely different and you know i'm i'm glad that uh you know i'm glad that you 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 got on the right you know like the right timeline so to so to speak no. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. exactly. All, right. All right, so uh, I got two more questions for you, and we'll wrap this thing up. Um, so, on a, for football team purposes, what are your real, your real, realistic expectations for this organization over the next three or four years? Uh as for me, my expectations are to win a title. Um, I know that uh, I know people are always talking about how you know Cowboys fans seem to have unrealistic expectations when it comes to winning a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but I think right now I think that this franchise is they're where they need to be. We have the pieces on offense. I mean, we may need to they may need to get a little bit more depth across that offensive line, maybe because we've got some guys like Tyron Smith. I mean, he's still really young though. If that surgery um, actually did fix him and he holds up, man, I mean, he's he's as good as they come. Um, so I still think we got a few more years in Tyron. I still think we, uh, Zach Martin's going to work out great. We'll see how Leo Collins comes along, but he's also another young guy. Got some younger guys coming along in that offensive line, but I think they're I think they're where they need to be. I think Mike McCarthy. I've got faith in him. I think he's the right coach. I think he's got the right mentality. Um, and I just I think they've got the pieces. You've got the quarterback. You've got this stud group of wide receivers. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, you can keep them. I don't know about Gallup, but you can definitely keep uh, Amari Cooper and Ceedee Lamb together for the foreseeable future. I mean, at least for the next, you know, three to four years. Um, so I think that you keep that nucleus of offensive players around, and then you've got a cornerstone linebacker and a guy like Micah Parsons, who I think is going to be, I think he's going to be a franchise player for us. I think he's going to be impact player this year. So, I mean, if you yeah. can get a few more guys like that around him, whether it be via free agency or keep building through the draft like the Cowboys have been doing, and they seem to do well, they seem to find some pretty good guys in the draft. If we can just get this defense um, fixed up, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think that this year, in my honest opinion, I don't think this year is a championship year as much as it hurts me to say that. But it's, you know, I don't think this is the year. But I, I certainly think that within – you know, three to four years that this team has a title window um, that they should be full on doing everything that they can, investing all their resources and all their money into winning the championship. Because when you got a 
when you got a franchise quarterback like Dak and you've seen some of the things that he can do with the offense, I mean, there you should be able to put the pieces around him to win. And yep. that's fully expect. Yeah, he, I mean, right now, like you said, he's ascending too. He's not even in his prime yet. He's ascending. Exactly. And, and, yeah, and I, you know, I, I have him, I have him pegged at twelve and five this year. You know, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's drinking too much Kool Aid. That's realistic. Twelve yeah. and five is pretty realistic, I, I believe. So, uh, I, I think, you know, I think they're the best team, and they're the, definitely the best team in the NFC East. And I, I think they can give any team a run for their money. So. All this depends on that defense. Exactly. That's that's the whole that's the whole thing, and we will find out a whole lot more about this team on Thursday night. Because I mean, that's that offense that Tampa Bay has. I mean, it, I mean, in terms of the NFC, that's one of the that's one of the best out there. You know what I mean? They've got. You want to talk about offensive weapons? I mean, they've got them. They've got a lot yeah. of them. Um, yeah, they're so, right there with us. Yep. Yeah, so we're we're definitely going to find out what this defense is capable of, and I just, I mean, you know, even if they even if they lose to Tampa Bay, um, you know, that's not that's not the end of that season. There's still there's still 16 more games after that. I think I had them. I think at the beginning of the season on my podcast, I think I picked them at 13 wins, which might have been a little a little bullish, but 12 to 13. You know, we're right there, me and you, same same kind of mindset. But I. I fully expect them to win a bunch of games this year. I think that the change in the defensive coordinator is going to do wonders. Um, I don't necessarily think that last year that a lot of it was necessarily the the personnel. I think that it was the coordinator, and I think it was his scheme. And I don't think that he, I don't think he utilized and played to his players' strengths within the scheme. And I think that caused a lot of problems, a lot of issues. I think you're going to see better play from everybody, top to bottom. Um, DBs and everything, and that's probably one of my biggest concerns right now is the secondary. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how that comes along. If you get a better pass rush and you get better play from your linebackers, and they, you know, and they're rushing the passer better, then that that makes your DBs better because that gives that quarterback less time to throw the ball. And, you know, so I think our pass rush has improved, and yeah, we're gonna find out a little bit more about this defense on Thursday night. Yeah, my, my biggest thing on the defense that I'm really watching is the is the two safety positions. You know, we we um so basically Malik Hooker, he's your range, he's your rangy guy. And then KZ, you know, he's the one, he's your thumper. So how they how they play those on certain in you know, certain situations and certain downs, that's how I that's how I want to see. And um so that that's that that's the battle that I'm really looking forward to. Hopefully that that position is solidified this year. So then everything else, like you said, the, since the front four, or basically maybe your front seven is, is a lot better than it was last year, that Absolutely. having a ranging, a ranging safety is going to help you, your your young guys on the outside a lot better too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So last question. Um, so give us your top three underrated Twitter, Twitter follows for people, other people to look into. Underrated Twitter follows on Twitter. Yeah, not nah. that, that you like to that you like to follow. Um, so I don't. Man, it's gonna be hard because I don't know if it's necessarily underrated. But I know that. Um, well, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna keep it away from. I guess people that are verified because I was gonna start one with a uh, verified. But let's. I'll go with. Um, I really like. Um, gosh, I have. Thought I had written down this guy's Twitter handle here. Um, I know it's uh, Nick Herrera 
is one of them I yep. like. He's got some. He's got some pretty good stuff. Um, and then, I mean, not underrated, but I mean, everybody knows the my co-host, the M- MC. I mean, she's you got to follow her. So, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's a character herself. Um, the other one is um, it's God, I can't remember his Twitter Twitter handle right now. I don't know a computer, but it's the is flight crew SDQ flight uh, crew, I think. Yep. Yeah. LP Cruz. Okay. Yep. 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 He's a good follow on there. And then, um, um, God, I should have written these down. My memory is not as great as I thought it was. The other one is, uh, his name is William. He's got a lot of fantasy football. John um, William. There you go. There you go. That's, that's the other one. I'm sorry, man. I did I thought no. I had going, and, and my memory is horrible when it comes to people's Twitter <laughs> handles. But those are three people that I would that I like uh, that I definitely follow on uh, follow on Twitter that put out some pretty good stuff for sure. All right, man. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, so, so um, tell everyone where you can find you, and you can plug your podcast too. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Twitter handle is at Kelly canine. And then, um, the podcast is at Cowboys and chaos. Um, we have been super inconsistent during the off season on posting our, our episodes, but we're back. Um, and we'll be every week for sure. Now, um, we've been dropping on, um, Wednesday night slash Thursday mornings just because of the hard knocks thing. So, but we're back okay. next week. We'll be dropping on, uh, on Wednesday, every Wednesday. So. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man, for coming on very first episode of Interview to Avatar. It's been a pleasure, and uh, thanks for talking with me. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me on.